Have you been zombified by microchimeric cells floating through your blood and taking root in your tissues and expressing genes? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the Zombified Podcast, your source for fresh brains. I'm your host, Athena Actipus, psychology professor at ASU and chair of the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. And I'm your co-host, Dave Lundberg-Kenrick, media outreach program manager and brain enthusiast. Yes, and uh, today we're talking about not just your brains, but the things that can get into your brains that are not you, like cells from a fetus that may have uh, been inside you if you're a female, or your mom's cells. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you were, everybody was at one point inside their mother's wombs and Mm -hmm. mother's cells right. then that, could that, get around oh the baby. so then my mom's cells might still be controlling my behavior yeah really that's a well, even more direct uh, <laughs> method of my mom controlling my behavior <laughs> i we don't really know the extent to which um there is like behavioral manipulation happening but we do know that microchimeric cells um from other individuals are replicating and expressing genes inside your tissues interesting yeah wow yeah so the that's what today's episode is about is microchimerism and in particular the transfer of cells between mother and fetus that happens in the womb and then what that might mean for life after the womb between family members etc Wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And so is there anything that stands out as particularly uh, surprising? Well, I think the coolest thing is the, if we think about, well, what would we expect to evolve in terms of what fetal cells can do in the brains and the bodies of moms? Like, what would they evolve to control right oh. because like you can think you know over you know such long evolutionary history like since placental mammals came about it's been possible for having this microchimerism so um microchimeric cells like that like they could have evolved to actually do all sorts of crazy manipulation okay. and does this go into sort of that like parent offspring conflict of the babies trying to sap all the resources they possibly can. Exactly. So it's a nice follow on from our last episode with David Haig about parent offspring conflict and placentas and pregnancy and all of the weird things that happen in the womb. All right. This sounds really exciting. Any useful takeaways for uh, fetuses out there? <laughs> <laughs> While you're in the womb, that's your chance. <laughs> so. All right, All right. Let's, let's hear from Amy Body. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you. Makes me act the way I do. I'm not trying to be over-analytical Retracing time to remind myself how ugly this could be But something else is taking over me 
Welcome to Zombified. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so yeah. we've known each other for a long time. We have. You uh, came to work with me, like, was it like 10 years ago? It was a while ago. It was. I, it must not have been 10 years because my daughter was two. Oh, oh. no, she was a year and a half at the time. Okay. So, so and she's about to be eight, so... Seven-ish years Seven ago. Seven-ish years ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then we worked together a bunch, and now you're here at UCSB. Yes, correct. And you're an assistant professor here. Yes. And can you, like, introduce yourself in your own words? <laughs> yes, yeah, I can. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can. Um, so my name is Amy Boddy, and um, I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Anthropology at University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, I got my training in uh, Detroit, Michigan, um, in molecular biology and genetics. And I study uh, evolution and human health and pregnancy and cancer. Awesome. And mom bees. And mom bees. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the most important topic. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, when you came to the zombie apocalypse medicine meeting mm -hmm. in the fall of 20. 18, right? That was, it was yes, 2018. Yeah, yes. yeah. You came and you talked about fetal microchimerism. I did. And I remember, and we're like going back and forth about it. Uh -huh. You're like, I didn't even realize there was a thing called a mombi. Yes. Like, can you tell us about that process? Like realizing yeah. like that there is a mombi thing? <laughs> well, it was so fun because I've given microchimerism talks before, but... Um, I was very excited to put it together in terms of zombifying my talk. And I had planned like months ahead of time to like do this and, and put it, but then obviously like life happens. And a few days before I'm putting my talk together and I'm Googling and I wanted cool images. And then all of a sudden I fell into this like rabbit hole of memes of mombies where it's like zombified moms that need coffee and kids are <laughs> draining them and there's a whole like yeah internet of mombies and mothers that identify as a mombie <laughs> so mombies are like taking over the internet basically exactly yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that made my putting my talk together quite easy awesome so, so um what is microchimerism and how does it relate to mombies right so microchimerism is a small transfer of cells from one genetic individual to another um, so if like mm -hmm. I have a small number of cells from someone who's not me, Correct. me then I'm microchimeric. Correct. Okay. Right. Right. And micro being like a tiny amount of cellular exchange. And what's the chimera part? The chimera is the, um, from ancient Greece or whatever of the two different, you know, individuals or entities or organisms. So right, like the coming together, it, like a lion right. and a bird. And yeah, uh, I wish I actually knew. I should know because <laughs> I'm, I'm Greek, right? And I think so I should, I should know what the chimera is. I think there's one with like a dog. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different creature ones, with like, like statues with, with like snake heads and yeah. stuff like that. So like yeah. it's from, you know, ancient times of like two different organisms coming together, like yeah. a head with like a different body. Yeah. But that's like chimerism. And then micro is just maybe a, a, a few of those cells within a different right. organism. Right. And this is like within species, right? So yes. like 
a mom having cells yes, exactly. of her baby or a baby having cells of the mom. Exactly, within species. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so this happens in, in humans. This happens in humans. It happens in organ transplantation, right? You have a different, you know, organ from an individual. Um, and there's shedding of cells along with the actual entire different organ. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it happens naturally during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, the transfer of cells from the mother to the baby and from the baby to the mother. So the whole microchimerism thing is sort of even connected to like the Frankenstein idea, right? You're like putting a body together from right. like parts of like all different individuals. Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, there are some primates that have even more chimerism than us, right? Right, yeah, so marmosets. So so the interesting thing is microchimerism happens during pregnancy, but it happens even more so during during twinning during pregnancy. So it's like a three-way transfer of cells, Okay, right? so like if you're yes. a mom yeah. and you're pregnant with twins, yes. then the cells from you are going into the babies, the cells from the babies are going into you, and the cells from the twins are going into each other? Yes, there's transfer of cells there too, um, and um, so so there's some organisms that are natural twinners, uh, such as marmosets, some some New World monkeys, South American monkeys, um, and so say you're a baby in utero and you're getting twin cells transferred to a you, baby marmoset, a baby marmoset. Okay. Yeah, we're going All right, to now imagine you're in yes. the your mom marmoset yes. womb it's and you really got a twin <laughs> and adorable <laughs> and you have a little tiny adorable twin with you and their cells are being transferred to you, your cells are their cellular exchange from you to your twin, your moms are being transferred to you, you're transferring some to your mother. So cells are just going yeah, all over the place. All over the place. And then you grow up, right? So you come out of the womb. Okay, and you're so already, you're, bur- you're born. You're born. you're a baby marmoset. You're a baby marmoset. And you're maybe a, a female baby marmoset. And so you have your mother's cells and you have your twin cells and you have your own cells. And you grow up and then you have your own set of twins. Wow. And so there's a cellular exchange all over again. And wait, so wait. And like multiple generations? Multiple generations. Are getting all mixed up. Yeah. So like... How you even say a marmoset is an individual. <laughs> right. Right. And it's been hard to quantify, right? And so this is a lot of we know these processes happen. It's it is happening on a small cellular level. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to like see how long cells from a different individual can persist in yeah. someone else's body. Um, but there's some studies in humans to show it lasts for decades to a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But and we don't know about the intergenerational part. And we part. don't know about the intergenerational yeah. part, which I think is like the coolest, most sci-fi, yeah. zombified version of of human biology. Right. Like I could have my great grandmother cells in me. Exactly. Even though I don't really know her name. Yeah. 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 That's there crazy. could be <laughs> I mean, there's a route for it. And yeah. and if we know if there could be some kind of selfish cells that can hop generation to generation, I mean, why not? Yeah, that's wild. Right. Yeah. Okay, so microchimerism is like this situation where cells are occupying an individual that is like genetically not the same as them. Correct. And it happens in marmosets, but it also happens in human pregnancies. Right, and it happens across all, we think it happens across all placental mammals. 
So it has to do with the fact that we have internal gestation and we have this organ that transfers nutrients back and forth between the mother and the baby. And there's some cells that get sloughed off into there. And it used to be that we thought that these cells just, it was a byproduct, right? Right. Yeah. But these byproducts seem to be staying around and performing functions in the mother's body. That's awesome. So so can you like break down what happens? Like you get pregnant, the placenta starts growing, right? right? And the placenta is... Um, attaching to the uterine wall Correct. and, like, sending out, like, mm-hmm. these, like, tentacles to, like, extract resources right, right. from the mom, right? Or, right. like, they're getting, like, the blood vessels to come to it. Like, what, what what's actually happening, right. like, right. in that, that first stage? And then, like, where does the microchimerism come in? Right. So we actually, it's, it's, it's complicated, and we don't know the exact process of it. So you get pregnant, implantation happens, right? Mm-hmm. So the embryo implants into the maternal um, uterine wall. And then these specialized fetal cells called trophoblast cells mm-hmm. start um, invading the maternal endometrium and break down the, the tissue layer there. And they actually start developing um, not only the, the, the embryo, but the placenta. Mm-hmm. And um, and the trophoblasts are the placenta, the ones that become the placenta. Yeah, they're they're the invading cells, right. and and they um they also are super invasive, right? And so like they're 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 basically going through multiple tissue layers and then attaching on to the maternal's blood or the maternal body's blood vessels. Yeah, and opening them up. Wow. So so it's like. Game of Thrones, you know, when, like, <laughs> the dragon comes. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Maybe I shouldn't talk about <laughs> you can You can talk about it. <laughs> you know, like, they have the big ice wall, and yeah. then the dragon comes and just, like, blows a hole through the ice wall. And then the zombies come in. And then the zombies come in. <laughs> it's like that, only pregnancy. <laughs> and, so pregnancy and is the zombie like, apocalypse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you open the, the, the arteries, and then there's blood flow. In cellular exchange that yeah. happens yeah. across two different universes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so you've got the placenta, mm-hmm. which is actually, it comes from the cells of the fetus, right? So right. the placenta, mm-hmm. like people say, oh, it's a maternal organ, but mm-hmm. it's actually not, right? It's not genetically right. Right. from the mom. It's genetically part of the baby. Right. When the placenta comes out, there's some layers of maternal tissue that has been shed oh so like when you go to like dissect a placenta or something like you have to make sure there's you get the fetal side because there is on the outside there's a maternal layer yeah there's like a Uh maternal layer where it was detached and Uh and and shed but it's mostly um like 90 percent of it is like a fetally derived tissue yeah, so you've got, like, during pregnancy, the, you know, placenta, which is from the fetus, mm-hmm. and then the, you know, uterine wall, which is, like, the mother, and you have this, like, intersection mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. where, um, I mean, you would think, like, just first pass, like, oh, mom, baby, mom wants to right. take care of baby, so, right. like, there should be cooperation right. at that intersection, and there is, to right. a large extent, right, because right. mom is allowing resources to flow to the baby, right. but it's also not a 100% right. aligned interest, right? right? Yeah, yeah, and the mom has specialized immune cells that 
track to the uterus and help with this remodeling, like yeah. overview things, like yep. reconstruct things. So the mom has a way of like regulating this. Yes. So there is so, cooperation in, in that sense. Yeah. But when you think about how that evolved, those policing cells of the mother's body might had to evolve because the placenta was invading too far. You know, like yeah. there's like so from an evolutionary perspective, why like would the placenta be invading so far? Why like would there be conflict mm-hmm. between the interests of the fetus and the interests of the mom when like on a first pass, it's like reproduction is like a super important thing, right? So right. so why like is there conflict at all between the mother and the fetus, like, at this place where, you know, the placenta and the uterine wall are coming together. Right. So that roots from, like, maternal-fetal conflict, right? Where the the offspring's 100% related to itself, and the mother's only half related to the offspring, so they have divergent interests, and the fetus is always going to want to extract more, right? Um, it's more interested in itself surviving. Yes. Right? Yeah, so this relates a lot to the conversation that we had a few uh, last episode with David Haig. Correct. Where we talked exactly. about maternal fetal conflict and right. placentas and how, like, I mean, if you think about it, an offspring um, is it, is potentially competing with its other siblings right. for resources from the parent. Even other if those, potential siblings. Exactly. Other right. future yeah. possible siblings or yeah. past siblings, you know, so... Yeah. Um, so Anytime. It's almost like that Christmas story, like siblings of the future and past, or what is it, like ghost of the past? The, Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, what is that, know. the Scrooge movie? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know which what particular part of it we're talking about. They go visit, like, future and past. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, right, siblings right. of yes. future and the past. Okay. Yeah, yeah. right. So you yeah. imagine the future and past siblings right. and every, you know, evolutionarily, like, every, like, you can right. compete with the right. future and past siblings, too, right. for the resources of the parent. And so, right. like, if you've ever seen, like, siblings, like, fight over candy, it's basically the same thing. Exactly. That, like, mom has a certain amount of stuff. Right. And both the kids want more Mm -hmm. than their fair share Mm -hmm. like I don't know Mm -hmm. if you see this with your kids ever but like Vaughn my Mm -hmm. like youngest so there's three of them and like Vaughn is like well what would be fair is for me to have half of it and Yvonne and Monty to share the rest (laughs) and I'm like what's your definition of fair right because (laughs) right right (laughs) how do you get half yeah So, so I feel like, I don't know, for me, an intuitive way to kind of like understand the parent offspring conflict is like, think about like when there are multiple siblings and that their siblings have conflict because they just want, they want more for themselves than for their sibling. Exactly. And then somehow like through the, you know, amazing properties of like, you know, the way evolution works. Right. That translates to like what's happening in the womb, like between the placenta and the uterine. Right. So that you've got like, you know, the fetal cells sort of advocating for the, you know, the fetal cells and the placenta advocating for the fetal interest Mm -hmm. and the cells of the mother kind of advocating for the mother's interest, which include like all past and future potential offspring and like saving some for them. Right. And it's costly too, right? Like this, it would be so much easier if there, if there was like an aligned interest, but like there's all these defenses that the, the mother's body has 
evolve to have to defend against this like invading placenta type yeah and the fetus has to put up these costly measures to invade um Mm -hmm. so there's like a lot of conflict so there's been a tug of war over evolutionary time yeah um and it's interesting because in the end the fetus does at least in human pregnancies tap onto the maternal arteries and be able to have like free access in the end Mm. um and so there's like this winning of the maybe tug of war in in that sense and 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 at that point when you're pregnant there's there's things that the fetus can do like ramp up the maternal blood pressure right Right. and And, turn up the pressure then the resources start pouring out for them right right right. and and that's not possible in a different placenta type that's not as invasive where they don't Mm -hmm. have direct access to the maternal arteries and blood flow and and stuff like that so So, humans are like particularly vulnerable to being mombified exactly (laughs) exactly because of our invasive placenta type and maybe our giving nature of allowing that's right the fetus like yes just latch on to me like a leech yes it's fine Totally fine. <laughs> yes. It's like a little sucker, really, right? Actually, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, okay, so the, we've kind of got like this, you know, evolutionary understanding now of, sort of what's going on, like with pregnancy and with the placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, full disclosure, Amy and I worked on this stuff about microchimerism together. So right. we like sat around and talked about it a lot. Um, what are your current thoughts about this, like, question? I know we sort of, like, went back and forth a little bit about this when we were working on the paper. Um, uh-huh. So when you go from, like, the invasive placental cells mm-hmm. to, like, the microchimeric cells, like, are those microchimeric cells just, like, cells that invaded and then just, like, kept going and then like got into the other systems of the body or do you think they're coming from like something other than like just the placenta invading and like going really far right i think they're different because they can differentiate into a bunch of different cell types they can make it so it seems like they're stem-like cells going Mm. over so they're not specialized like i think the specialized cells do get sloughed off into the the maternal Mm. so you think to like be this like invasive trophoblast Mm -hmm. the cells are having to like specialize and like commit to that in a way that it would be hard for those same cells mm-hmm. to be the ones that like right yeah but okay i'm gonna push you on this okay. because um okay if we now i mean who wants to think about this in terms of cancer but we do because we both right. study cancer like right. like you can also have like metastasis like balls of cells growing that are de-differentiated right that like came from a tumor where it was specialized. Maybe, okay. you know, they came from, like, invasive mm-hmm. cells. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I mean. Right. I guess it, they could in, in this, the embryonic stage is very unique. And there's de-differentiation, differentiation. Like, it's, yeah. like, creating all these different tissue types. And it's a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And, and so. Could they, like, go, like, could they like differentiate into like the trophoblast like cells and then like go elsewhere and then de differentiate in like a cancer like way? Right. And then grow and. 
Potentially. Yeah. But there's so many cell types that uh-huh. come. I mean, there's immune cell t- types yeah. that we find and specialized liver and mm. specialized heart cells, so, neurons. So do you think so, they're just like going right into the blood, like from somewhere in the fetus? I, th- I think the theory out there, and I, I lean towards this, is that there's stem-like cells. So they're very like early yeah. stage cells that... that um, Migrate to the maternal body, and then they can, they probably differentiate based on what tissue type they're in, right? Mm-hmm. They get signals to say, like, hey, you're in a liver. Mm-hmm. This, this is how you act mm-hmm. in a liver, and they're able to differentiate and integrate into. Mm-hmm. So it's almost into, like some point in the, like, so if you think of, like, you start with one cell, right, right. and baby, and then it divides and divides and divides, and then you get, like, right. you know, the placenta from part of it, and you get the mm-hmm. fetus from another part of it, and, mm-hmm. like, maybe there's some part of it that actually is like destined to be the microchimeric cells right. and like finds its way into the maternal bloodstream and then like differentiates right. into the maternal tissue. So it's almost like a stem cell transplant except from your baby. In your right. Womb. Right. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is we've, um, there's research out there that shows that these cells start transferring very early on in pregnancy before the placenta is completely established. Hmm. So um, women that don't even know that they were pregnant, so these early miscarriages yeah. were very little is happening at that point in terms of placentation, um, still get a burst of um, hmm. microchimerism in their blood. Interesting. Which makes it really challenging to study. Because you don't, you don't know that history. If a woman mm-hmm. is almost didn't even know that there was a, a miscarriage, right, which happens quite often in humans, yeah, um, then it's very difficult to figure out which cells came from which mm. person. But it might be a way to better study spontaneous miscarriage. Yes, right. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think it has it, it could have really important clinical applications. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask you, does it freak you out or creep you out that, like, microchimerism happens and that, like, you have kids and, like, their cells are in you and your cells are in them? Or are you like, oh, we're just, like, a closer family because, <laughs> like, we're sharing cells, like... I it doesn't creep me out. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't creep me out at all. I think it's fine. I've I've met women that think it's actually really like sweet and they're they they get emotional knowing that they have like part of their baby in them yeah. type of thing. Um so I think I don't know. Like it doesn't creep me out at all. Yeah. What about you? Does it make you feel warm and fuzzy? Or it just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm very like practical. Practical yeah. about it. Like it exists. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know it, it, I don't think it creeps me out yeah. but it, it it is like very science fiction-y to like sometimes I'll think like right okay how many potential other individual cells might be in my body right now like right and right you know obviously it's like right now there's not evidence to say like that it can be multiple generations transmitted but it also is possible given the things we do know and so so I don't know so I find that like kind of mind-blowing like yeah like and what if you like took a tissue dissection and you're like oh there's like 
Reagan cells and they're clumped next to like Sid cells. Like I think yeah. that would actually like multiple generations of your kids like integrated yeah. like next oh, to each other. Oh, and there's grandma <laughs> next to Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, their cells are like creating tight junctions saying they get along after Aww. all. <laughs> they are cooperating and exchanging resources. <laughs> but only in my body. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it does kind of challenge our notion of, like, what is an organism, too. And, like, you know, in the fields of, you know, like, evolution and behavior, whether it's, like, evolutionary psychology or evolutionary anthropology or just straight, like, evolutionary biology, there is sort of this assumption that, like, the individual organism is, like, the unit of genetic uniqueness. Right. And therefore the unit that selection will act on. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but right. when you start mixing the cells up like that, mm-hmm. it's like, well, should we, do we need different theoretical approaches and, and models to actually predict what is going to happen and how mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. individuals are going to behave? And like, is there actually more, you know, interdependence than we might have guessed? Right. Right. And, and a crazy, like, not crazy, I think it's very sci-fi, though, is to think that some of these cells could end up in germ cells, right? So yeah. in, as eggs or sperm. Yeah, so the reproductive line. So it's like, mm-hmm. could there, like, okay. And what does that really mean yeah, to yeah. be an organism when you're... Right. Your germ cells, your reproductive line is hijacked. Yeah, so this is like... so. Here, here's the scenario, I think, right? Uh-huh. Like, great grandma cells, like, went into grandma, mm-hmm. went into you, mm-hmm. and then, like, when you were um, conceiving, somehow, like, mm-hmm. it was actually, like, great grandma's right. egg, and right. so your daughter right. is actually half your great grandma or something, right? right? Like, that's the, that's the, like, crazy scenario. Right. And, and it's biologically plausible within the women-like generations because oocytes, eggs, are developed during fetal development, right? Yeah. Where there's this crosstalk. Yeah, right. So it's crazy and bizarre, right? There's, yeah. no, there's not evidence that that happens, but no, there, there would be, like, there would be huge selective pressures for right. cells to evolve to do that. Right. So there's probably, we probably have counter adaptations we don't even know about, right, to right. prevent that from happening. Yeah, I'm sure. So yes, it's like we kind of just be. take for granted that that yeah. doesn't happen. But, like, if you think of the evolutionary logic, like, selection pressures are going to be insanely high, high for, that, for that. Because you don't have to, like, build a whole body from scratch. You just, like, mm-hmm. put your egg cell in the next generation or skip a generation or right. whatever. And then, right. yeah, so. right. Yeah, but but there are some cases where like the mom of someone was not like like she like you know gave birth to an offspring right. that did not look like her genetically from the blood test, right? It's there's some examples. Yeah, of that. yeah. So there's a few, and it going back just before we yeah, go on yeah. to that, it, it, I always think it gives like. When you hear people that are like, she looked just like her grandma, you're like, well, maybe we should genetically test her. Let's go find those yeah. cases. But no, so there's... Yeah, there's but, but the thing is, like, people right. don't right. really look. And no, right. I mean, now there's, like, oh, I guess all this, like, genetic data yeah. that's online. Right. So you, you I can, wonder if anybody is 
pride looking for whether that happens. right um but there's <laughs> there's women who there was a case study of a, a a woman named lydia fairchild i believe and it was a custody battle and and so they had to do genetic paternal testing and they also did maternal testing and what they found was the 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 supposed father was indeed the genetic father but the mother wasn't the genetic mother she what? <laughs> and she was pregnant at the time and um with another baby with another baby yes, yes. not alien or zombie or <laughs> dragon or, um and then uh she gave birth and they immediately genetically tested her and her um her they used her blood and i believe there was also a court martial in the room wow because yeah wow okay anyways um and so what happened was again she wasn't the genetic mother and so they thought she was like scamming the system and surrogate and she almost lost her children and all of this stuff when eventually they, someone they took her kids away right i believe her, her kids went away for a bit it was like this horrific ordeal and then someone finally um took a sample from her cervix mm-hmm. and the sample from the cervix was genetically matched to all of her children yeah so what they found was she was um, something not necessarily microchimeric, but chimeric, like full tissue integration. And it seems like it probably happened. So like her whole blood system was from another mm-hmm. individual mm-hmm. that was not the same as her reproductive system. As her reproductive system. And so it's crazy. The, the story goes that it was a twin of hers that mm-hmm. was um, absorbed or, or didn't make it in the womb. And so she was a singleton birth. But at some point early in development, there were two fetuses. Wow. And they had swapped a bunch of cells. And then. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do we have any idea how common that actually is, like in the general population? No, it would be so cool to figure out, right? Especially twins. How, like how often during field development are these cells just kind of swapping back and forth, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so can we talk about the zombie side of this? Of course. All right. So, <laughs> so like earlier on we were talking about the conflict Part, right mm-hmm. like how there's going to be some kind of battle over the resources mm-hmm. and that the placenta mm-hmm. like does a bunch of this sort of you know trying to get more from the mom right right how does this kind of dynamic like translate into the microchimerism piece of things like what's what is what do we know is going on like mm. where are my, the microchimeric cells going Mm -hmm. do we know what they're doing Mm -hmm. are they like Mm -hmm. advocating for the fetal interest what what, what's happening with these microchimeric cells in the maternal body right so great question we don't we don't know much but what we do know is we do know that they transfer they increase in frequency during pregnancy so a woman is going to get the most microchimeric cells and just fetal dna in her blood towards the very end of her pregnancy 
And then she... Okay, so the fetal cells, yes. they're, like, going from the baby, yep. like, into the mom's tissues. Yes. And as the pregnancy is progressing, there's, like, more and more, and they're, like, going yes. deeper and deeper right. into <laughs> the mom's body and proliferating and invading. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, body snatchers right. kind of situation. Right, right. And the maternal immune system is kind of dampened a little bit. It's modulated. It's not completely suppressed. It's just got mm-hmm. a, a shift going on. And so there's tolerance mm-hmm. of this. Right. Um, But then pretty quickly, I think one of the studies showed within 24 hours after labor, there is active clearance. So the maternal immune system kind of ramps back on and And starts starts kicking them out. They're like kicking them out. You know what? Nine months long enough. Right. You're out of here. And then also the reservoir is gone. Right. Like the baby is gone. So there's no more to be like getting pushed into. Yeah. Into circulation. Yep. Um. And for a very long time, we thought that was that. And then all the cells just magically disappear. Disappear. The system gets rid of them all. Right, right. Um, And then um, maybe 20 years ago, it was discovered that these cells persist. Um, And so a lot of studies have been looking at what they're doing and where they're going since then. And it seems like during pregnancy, they're floating. You get the highest amount in the blood, but also Mm -hmm. the highest amount in the lung. Oh, and then they integrate into a bunch of different tissues, including the brain, which mm-hmm. is just like... Yeah. And the lung might just be a byproduct, right? Because they're, the blood is flowing right. and like you have these little right. capillaries and they're just getting stuck. Exactly. Yeah. And after clearance, you know, like after pregnancy, most of them are cleared from the lung. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they're, they're persisting. They're not sticking around yeah. the lung. But yeah. they are sticking around in the breast right right in the thyroid Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the brain and in the immune system right is that right yeah i mean almost all tissues that have looked at for this is like decades after a woman has given birth they found microchimeric cells Mm -hmm. so the ones that get embedded into tissues yeah stay yeah there's been a lot of research on, and so I don't know if it's a bias or if there are indeed more fetal cells in these interesting mm-hmm. tissue types that are the breast and the thyroid and the brain. Yeah. But a lot of these um, tissue types um, are important for diseases. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, where the research is like... Mm-hmm directing it where where women with breast cancer they're finding yeah. fetal cells in tumors yeah and women with autoimmune diseases they're finding fetal cells in the diseased tissue site um mm-hmm. and so it kind of opens up this idea of are they normally there or are they there causing this pathology yeah. this disease yeah well and we kind of got interested in this whole microchimerism question actually because of the breast cancer yes. link, because we yes. started like looking at, you know, right. is there some relationship right. with breast cancer right. and microchimerism? And we found a bunch of papers and they were really inconsistent. Some were like, oh, yeah. seems to be more cancer right. when there's microchimerism. And others right. were like, there seems to be less cancer. Yeah, there's less there's cancer and everyone should have a fetal cell stem therapy like injection <laughs> type of because they're protective. And right. Then others, so, others were like, no, no, no. These women have more fetal cells yeah. and worse prognosis. So, yeah. So then we were kind of like sitting on this and we're like, you know, what's going on? Why are these studies 
contradictory. And of course, one right. possibility is just that there's like no effect and it's just randomness, right. Right? right? But the other possibility is that like there might actually be some times when the microchimerism is right. bad for the maternal health right. and other times when it's good for the maternal health, right? right? So right. then we were like, okay, well, this sounds a little bit like some of the things that are going on with parent-offspring conflict, where right. there's some alignment of interests, right? Like, right. both the mom and the baby, like, they want each other to survive, right? Right. right. Um, right. But then there's also some conflict about just how many resources right. are going to be right. given to the offspring, right? And so, so that's kind of where we were like, okay, yeah. I wonder if... Something yeah. is going on with yeah. maternal fetal conflict and right. microchimerism, right? And right. maybe that explains why there's this, like, paradox mm-hmm. with disease risk and microchimerism. Right. Yeah. Is there also similar stuff happening with some of the immune Right. Conditions? Yeah. The immune every, – every disease I looked at, it was all over the board on whether it was protective or – so it was almost like, all right, that's the literature out there. Um what, what can we do from a theoretical framework then? Like, yeah. let's just move. We're going to assume that maybe there's, like, cooperation and conflict. Yeah, right. Because right. we reviewed the literature right. and we're like, what? It's a paradox. Right. What's going on? Right. You know, so right. we're like, well, maybe, maybe the maternal fetal conflict right. framework could at least explain. Right. It's one possibility and it makes some new predictions too. Right. right? Yeah. Right. And so you assume a cooperation, obviously, for maternal health right so things like wound healing for example right like there's a cool example of of seeing like um microchimeric cells involved in wound healing right yeah so there's a few studies one looked at i believe it was mice and they were able to uh fluorescently label the microchimeric cells so they could watch them Mm -hmm. under a microscope in a mouse and they saw that if they injured the ear of the mouse, that the the fetal cells actually like migrated and helped repair the wound. Um, in humans, um, they've looked at women who have had C-sections and then just done a biopsy of the C-section wound and found that there were microchimeric cells in embedded in the scar tissue and they were expressing things that were important for wound healing like collagen to like you know repair that that tissue so this is kind of consistent then with the cooperation side right like okay fetal interests or babies and you know mom's interests are aligned about like helping the mom to heal because baby wants mom to be around in the future right Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I re- I still remember it was we were sitting in an office at ASU and we we're like, what about conflict? And it was yeah. just like, it's got to be over resources. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it just has to be. And like, yeah. and then mapping out what what kind of resources does a mom provide a baby? Right. Postpartum. Yeah. Right? So exactly. now we're not talking about the placenta. We're not talking about any anything like that. It's what kind of resources does a mother give a baby once she's given birth yep right and then how could possibly Mm -hmm. right how could those Mm -hmm. microchimeric cells that are staying in the mom right almost be doing something like what the placenta does right but right after the baby is no longer attached and it's just like remote controlling the mom like through the microchimeric cells i know (laughs) i think about it as like an insurance policy (laughs) like i don't know if you're gonna love me after i'm out so i'm just gonna send a few of my friends to make sure that into your brain yeah into your brain just flood you with oxytocin yeah just making sure that and everything 
comes back to me in the end. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then we have these predictions that maybe they would be involved in lactation. Yep. Um, helping women lactate or promoting expressing important hormones that were important for lactation. Um, and you said earlier, maybe uh, migrating to the brain and expressing the love hormone, oxytocin. Mm-hmm. We know that's really important for bonding. Yeah. So prolactin. You know, yeah, so prolactin. These are hypotheses, is, right? right? These are speculations, they but are. they're coming from this sort of yeah. framework. And it's just like, it's so great to think about rooting it in evolutionary evolutionary theory that you can like have this like really novel predictions and framework yeah you can now go and test yeah so instead of testing whether these fetal cells in a tumor progress a disease or not like understanding actually just just the basic biology yeah from first principles on evolutionary theory yeah internal fetal conflict and you can make predictions that like I mean, really, are, like, really in, like, sci-fi kind mm-hmm. of world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, what if the fetal cells are, like, manipulating the maternal bonding system, right? right? Like, that's, right. like, super right. intense behavioral right. change. Or, right. or even if they're, you know, going into the breast and, like, you know, forming mm-hmm. – because um, they, what, they express genes and they differentiate mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. – um, In Petri dishes, you can – Mammary glands, yeah, don't you they? Can, if you give them specific hormones, you can – Get the fetal cells to the, actually make the mammary glands. Yeah, they can differentiate into yeah. specialized cells that are part yeah. of the mammary gland. And so – and, I mean, cell signaling is quite amazing, right? You don't need – it's a, a cascade event where, like, you get a signal and then things – follow and so just having maybe a specialized cell that promotes and signals for prolactin could still have like very large effects right because like that's that's one of the criticisms of this right is that like there's only a few cells Mm -hmm. do they really influence maternal physiological behavior and you know biological mechanisms and i would argue that there, even if there's only a few of them, there's, there still could be, like, a profound effect. Right. If they're engaging with the signaling systems, then right. could just, you know, right. be, yeah, be really large. Yeah. Right. So, and there's also the thyroid, right? Right. Yeah. We, um, yeah. So it, it's interesting, and it, it leads back to, like, you know, heat regulation for, for the baby. Where right. Babies so the are thyroid not, is, like, really right. involved in, like, thermoregulation. So, right. So, like... If you're always cold or you're always hot, you should yeah. maybe go get your thyroid checked out. Right. Like right. I should probably because I'm always cold. But um, but it's like a really important part of right. how our bodies like right. regulate heat. And yeah. usually like when you're pregnant and when you're lactating, like your body temperature is higher, right? It is. It is. Yeah. And um, – and, and that helps keep the baby warm, right? Because then the baby right. doesn't have to do the thermoregulation itself because it's actually metabolically expensive. Right. And babies are warm. not good at thermoregulating. Yeah. Right. And I don't know, this is completely anecdotal, but when I was nursing my daughters, I would be sweating. Like I would just hearing them cry would trigger really my body to heat up. That's and interesting. So like I felt like and this was before I developed, <laughs> we developed a framework. I guess. It was just <laughs> something like, you know, like that. I noted that, like, I would get so hot just hearing my baby cry. Like, That's it interesting. Would, it create, like, a reaction in my core temperature. Cool. Um, 
But the other interesting thing is women have seem to have a higher rate of thyroid disease in general and thyroid autoimmunity. Yeah. Um, right. And so the, so, hy- the hypothesis is maybe right. fetal cells are getting into the thyroid. They've been found in, in thyroid, right? Right, correct. Um, have they been found to be associated with, like, thyroid disease in either direction? I don't remember now. I think um, there's a study looking at Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And I don't remember which the outcome was. But But, but anyway, the hypothesis is like maybe fetal cells are going into the thyroid and actually contributing to raising the maternal temperature so that the baby doesn't have to spend the energy to raise its temperature because it's just getting the warmth from mom. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's interesting to think about, like, in terms of that, but then thinking about each mom being a different, like... Different environment, A different kind of. environment yeah. with a different immune system and a different need and a different reproductive value. Yeah. Right. And then the paternal interests, right, where the conflict comes from, which is, like, the fetal, right, uh-huh. might have a different reproductive drive or something like that as well and so these conflicts might not be so much of a conflict in certain alignments right yeah like certain gene alignments like maternal fetal gene alignments well and also like right. depending on the environment right? right and like how many other siblings there are right and like there can be situations where there are you know really aligned interests of all of the parties right so right. you're probably going to get more cooperation than other situations where there's not as much. But then I guess it it brings up, like, the question of, like, are these things that fetal cells might be doing to the maternal body? Right. Like, are they actually able to adjust depending on Mm -hmm. the environment that Mm -hmm. they're in to be more or less exploitative? And and you might expect that, like, they could evolve to do that. Right. Do you want to hear – I don't know if this is a good venue for talking about – Crazy ideas. Yes, it is. About. It is okay, totally great. a great venue for that. I think I keep thinking about this in terms of how humans used to have very large family sizes uh-huh. and a lot of children, and that we might be at a mismatch uh-huh. where there used to be a lot of transfer of cells. Yeah. And so that's maybe had a, a basically development of the immune system in a certain way yeah. to tolerate. You yeah, know, right. The number of cells being transferred mm. and the different genetic and, and and now we're seeing a lot less of that. Mm. And it could have some what we expect calibrated from our evolutionary past to now right. what we see could be at a mismatch. And then right. it could so be our like immune systems might not be really calibrated in the right way mm-hmm. for how genetically undiverse we are inside. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're, like, expecting us to be, like, filled with, like, 17 children. Right, right, right. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, it's, it's basically parallels to the microbiome, you know, mm, that's interesting. stuff, right? Where yeah. we think about it in terms of, like, you know, we used to have all this pathogen exposure, and so our, our immune system's calibrated to deal with all that pathogen exposure. But if we don't get that challenge then it just kind of develops a little bit wonky and can, you know. That's really interesting, yeah. Um, hmm. So, I yeah, I don't know where to go with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fun it's thing. It's a fun to, thing to think yeah. about where, like, we think we think about, like, oh, microchimerism and we could be really genetically diverse and, and things like that, but, like, we used to maybe be a lot more genetically yeah. diverse, right. especially the transgenerational effect if there were a lot of cells getting passed on. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, so I have to ask, what is your version of the like zombie apocalypse of of microchimerism? Ooh. Like, what is the, like, you know, if you take the things that, mm. you know, we, we, we know are happening mm-hmm. with microchimerism, the things that we speculate might be happening with microchimerism, and you, like, ramp it up, mm-hmm. like, what, what is that scenario where, like, the cells inside of us, mm-hmm. like, get even more power right. over our physiology right. and behavior? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I immediately went to, like, well, the cells would transfer to the brain and, like, manipulate uh-huh. behavior, right? Uh-huh. Right? And manipulate how we interact with other humans or something. Because uh-huh. it would be a different genetic entity taking over the, the brain. So would, like, our our kids be, like, you know, can Basically, remote controlling us yeah, basically yeah the kids are remote controlling i feel like i live in that life though i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. you're in I, the mommy apocalypse i have two young kids <laughs> i think they control me I'm, i sometimes i'm like why am i doing this right now you can get your own water yeah <laughs> you're standing right next to the water uh-huh. resource as well but i am i am the one <laughs> right who's like who's spending the metabolic resources <laughs> to transport the yes. water right yes yeah. yes um I also think about it in terms of immediately when you ask that is just like that um, hopping into the germ cell. So uh. hopping in the reproduction. So hijacking the body. So the body's still protecting the germ cells and it's the body's multicellular mm. like interest to protect germ cells and pass on different generations. Yeah. And just getting a free ride and being able to, you yeah. know, get passed on. Right, so it could be like a future of just like clones. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, but, Mom clones. <laughs> yeah, but, but I guess it would be right. like there'd be, well, because at some point, well, like even if they like the offspring then mate with other right. individuals, then the next generation can still be a clone. But then they might be more susceptible to disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, if you just have a lot of clones. Right. So yeah. I don't know, there might be some countervailing. Right pressures to like not just be parthenogenic right that's what that's called right you just make right. a clone of yourself right i'm i think there's probably some pretty strong evolutionary pressures to make sure that there's no hopping generations mm-hmm. right yeah we just don't know what they are yet which would be cool to figure out yeah yeah so well, do you have any other um sort of mombi apocalypse thoughts like what you know what we should be i think mombies will survive the apocalypse we're more we're more robust (laughs) we're we're good at dealing with crazy things and yeah uh, hungry things and (laughs) managing the conflict managing conflict and maybe doing it with part of us that may not even be us us. (laughs) right so we need like you know we need like inclusion and genetic diversity like even inside us right in order to to deal with the apocalypse maybe definitely yeah 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 so just another reason right yeah inclusion and diversity and you know and the more cells you have in you more you know you might be able to figure out a way out of the apocalypse maybe your kid controlling your brain might have a very creative way to survive a zombie right in fact i mean we're literally talking about sharing brains right right brains that are made of like different organisms Mm -hmm. so it's like a hybrid Mm -hmm. frankenstein brain right 
Right. So that the mommy brain is actually a hybrid Frankenstein brain. Yeah. 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 The interesting thing, and we can end on this, is it, it it's unclear whether when we find microchimeric cells in the brain, who they're from. Oh, because we're not doing like the single cell we're not genomics doing things, kind of. We can assume that they're from uh-huh. her pregnancies. So what if it was from her mother? Yeah. Or her older brother? So there's just like so much we don't know mm-hmm. about microchimerism. There is. Like we know what happens. Mm-hmm. And we know from, like, an evolutionary perspective that sometimes there's mm-hmm. going to be aligned interests and you'll expect, like, positive effects on health. Right. Sometimes there'll be conflicting interests and you might expect negative effects on health. Right. But in terms of where the microchimerism is coming from, right. what exactly the cells are doing. I mean, we know they're expressing genes and, like, right. becoming parts of the tissues. But, right. like, what is their actual effect mm-hmm. on the viability of the organism and the behavior of the organism. Mm -hmm. There's just so many open questions. So many. And we only discussed fetal microchimerism, but there's maternal, where the maternal cells get transferred to the fetus. And it seems like those cells are very important for developing the immune system and doing really important health benefits for the fetus early in life. Right. And that's happening both like during pregnancy and also during breastfeeding, right? The cells are going into mm -hmm, the baby mm -hmm. through the breast feeding yeah. so yeah yeah so we're just made of like so many different things like cell exactly. you know other cells from other humans right all these microbes like right we really are not just one thing even though sometimes we feel like it right yeah. exactly yeah well amy thank you so much thank you for sharing your brains <laughs> i like that it was great to have you on yeah. zombified this was fun thanks and if the Says that we're crazy. We don't need nobody anyhow. But if you don't wanna fall in love, you better tell me right now. And if the whole world says that we're crazy, we can burn this motherfucker down. Zombified is a production of Arizona State University and the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. Thank you to the Department of Psychology, the Interdisciplinary Cooperation Initiative, and the President's Office at ASU. Also, thanks to the Lincoln Center for Applied Ethics. Thank you to all the brains that help make this podcast, to Tal Rahm, who does our sound, to Neil Smith, our illustrator, to Lemmy, the creator of our awesome song, Psychological, and to the entire Z-team, all of our amazing undergraduates. You can follow us and support us. Um, If you go on Twitter and Instagram, you'll find us at Zombified Pod, Zombified Podcast on Facebook. Our website is zombified.org. And... 
You can support us by uh, joining us on Patreon. You can just $1 a month will help support us making more awesome episodes. And if you can give us five bucks a month, we will be super, super grateful. You can also support us by buying merchandise. Um, you'll find our stickers and our t-shirts on our website, www.zombified.org. You can also support us by reviewing us. Um, definitely let us know what you think of Zombified. As I do at the end of every episode, after the credits, I share some of my brains. So um, today I'm going to offer a wild speculation. And um, this is something that I've been thinking about ever since Amy and I started working on the issues of you know, how microchimerism might be affecting maternal health. So here's the question. Is it possible that microchimerism could be a contributor to postpartum mental health issues like postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis? So given what we know about the involvement of the immune system in depression and also the involvement of the immune system in clearing fetal cells after birth, I think it's something that we should be looking at. So, you know, my understanding is that both postpartum depression and postpartum psycho psychosis can involve ambivalent feelings about one's new baby. So to me, this suggests that there could potentially be some conflict that's happening um, between the maternal fetal cells, or between the fetal cells and the maternal cells in the brain. So if the fetal cells are kind of trying to upregulate the maternal bonding systems and the maternal immune system is trying to clear them out, um, then you might actually sort of see a almost volatility of, um, you know, sometimes uh, the woman maybe being very positively emotional towards her child and other times maybe negatively emotional and makes actually you know really concrete predictions about what we would be expecting to be going on with the immune system. So um, think that this is potentially a hypothesis that should be followed up on. Um, of course, it's just a speculation at this point, but given how big of an issue postpartum mental health is and given the fact that there aren't really good, any good theories out there right now for what is going on, I think we should be looking. Thank you for listening to Zombified, your source for fresh brains. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there is something supernatural with you.